Welcome back to Chaos in Christ podcast. I'm your host, Alexi Felix. Thank you for tuning in today. I appreciate it. If my voice starts to get a little cracked up, it's because this past weekend, my daughter's fourth birthday party took place and it got a little loud, a little fun, and uh, kind of lost my voice a little bit. Seems okay though, but you know, forewarning. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about something of a, a bit of a cliche that we hear a lot in our culture. Uh, it's the old phrase, God won't give you what you can't handle. And obviously, I have titled this episode, God will give you what you cannot handle. Yeah, I like to play like that. But it is something that I want to tackle, uh, being that these are things that we've used flippantly without realizing what it means and what it can honestly make us believe about ourselves, about God and how we live life. And so I think it's important and I think it can cause chaos. So I want to share this with you. Where does God, you know, what does God won't give you what you can't handle mean? Well, I mean, the idea is to know that you can indeed face it on and overcome. I mean, that's really the crutch of it all, right? That's kind of what they're saying to look within yourself and to know that you can get it done. Simply put, um, I wrote down that it is a search for one's own strength and discover that you were a beast all along. And really, when you think about it, nothing can stop you. And so just kind of repeating it all together. It is about you, right? That it's really you that has to pull yourself out. Um, and it's really the, the reason why anything like this is happening is because you have all that you need within yourself to take it on. You are a warrior, an overcomer. Nothing can stop you. You are more than a conqueror, right? So those are the terms that is laid out for you whenever you're really going through something deep down, you know, you can't handle, but you're looking for ease. You're looking for comfort, a momentary kind of a break from that whole suffering, from that weight that you're carrying because we're humans and we know that we really can't handle it and it's difficult. And so we, we are looking, we are desperate to find strength somewhere. And what better than yourself, right? At least that's what our culture tells us. Um, and I guess really what I want to do is answer the question why that is wrong. Because I could imagine that some people might be hearing this or uh, maybe, you know, listening to this in the car and wondering, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with believing that you can indeed handle the suffering that is before you, the temptation that is before you, the trials, the testings, the sufferings, the persecution? Why can't one look within themselves to find strength and to be an overcomer, right? Aren't, you know, don't you want to be a champion? All these things. Well, in my opinion, I think it just boils down to bad theology because it, it definitely points to a selfism sort of religion. It's the idolatry of self. It's believing in yourself, right? And we get this from personal development books, uh, gurus, speeches, the motivational speakers on YouTube. We get those from that. Um, you know, when someone is going to work, especially if they work in a field that is really heavy with personal development, anything that has to do with sales, business, um, it's kind of starting your own thing. Jim, right? Anything that is related to the personal development space, we go to these things and they're telling us that we could be lions, right? That you're not the gazelle. A gazelle is going to be, you know, going to run for its life because it sees itself as food. A lion sees the food. He goes hunting. Those are very, very inspirational. 
and they really get something, you know, worked up within yourself. And then we get these from charlatans disguised as preachers telling you that you have the power to rebuke the devil. And it is your faith that is, you know, that is little causing you to feel despair. Now, these are those uh, people that twist scripture and basically turn a church into a all around entertainment theme park for you to feel good about yourself and to believe that that all these things can be overcome with you tapping into the power that you have within you. Now, as far as personal development goes, as far as uh, having to make decisions about your life, there is a hint of truth to it that I do not want to take away from because there is personal responsibility God gives us and that we are held responsible for. You know, I think about the talents, the parable of the talents, where the manager is giving to his servants a number of talents, each according to the person, however he decides to divide it. And you see people who take those talents, those, those, um, those people, and they multiply it. And then there's one that obviously doesn't, and you know the story and what happens, right? So there's a responsibility there that I think is there. It, it will always be there. I mean, my last t- uh, two episodes ago was about den- how people deny personal responsibility and how that causes chaos in your life. If you haven't heard it, go check that out. So there's a hint of truth in there. But what this is kind of talking about is really just a redirection of you within yourself. It's a relying on your own strength instead of God. And we, I would caution you to be careful because what that leads to eventually is boasting. It's pride. It's at the center of it all because eventually you overcome, you tap into your inner strength. You see that things are going the way you wanted to because you finally put your mind to it. Who else do you have to think but yourself? And what Christians tend to do is they'll thank themselves in the name of God. And that's when things start to get a little bit twisted, right? We have to be careful when we tell people these things. You know, God won't give you anything you couldn't handle. No, I think I think there are a lot of things we can't handle. And sometimes we don't want to handle them. But they come our way either way. Let's look at a figure in the Bible, Job. Now, Job loses his family, his finances, the the support of his wife, the support of his friends with horrible advice and his wealth all in one shot. His, his health goes out the window. I mean, all that hits him in one shot. Now, the question for you would be, do you believe he can handle it? It's funny because most people are going to tell me, well, Job said that naked he comes into this world and naked he shall leave. What a humble response. He did say that. That's in scripture. And many will also say that Job did not sin throughout that entire time. He did not. But you have to know that he got into despair. Because in chapter three of Job, you see him just kind of despairing and using some some words from the ver- first verse on down. But the one that really gets me is verse 11 of chapter three. Why did I not die at birth, come out of the womb and pass away? He didn't sin, but it sure does feel like he's despairing, doesn't he? Could you handle what Job had to endure Would you instruct him that God gave that to him because he could handle it? I mean, those words would be cruel in and of itself. It would be 
hard to 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 tell someone that. It's almost like you, right? Put yourself in this position. And maybe you are in that position. Maybe you've been in that position, or maybe you don't realize you're on your way to it. I'm not hoping, I hope nothing like that happens, but we are living in a fallen world. We are going to have to handle things that we can't handle. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? What if somebody told you when you were going through something that was beyond you, that really God gave that to you because you could handle it? I mean, that would anger you. And it would almost be like they just dismissed your pain and suffering with a sleazy kind of cheesy quote and just threw that out there and says, God, you know, gives the best fights to his best warriors. It's like you're looking at this person like, please don't dismiss uh, the fact that I'm really going through some pain right now, the magnitude of it with some simple quote like that. Because I ultimately am confessing these things to you because I do not believe I can handle it. And it's becoming to be too much. And I feel like I want to give up and give up says a lot because you really just want to give up. There's nothing else. You, you can't tap into anything else. It is coming for you left and right, front and center. And you are just a man. You are just a woman. You don't have it within yourself to deal with what's happening. And somehow you are. But with these things that we say to each other, it's like we flippantly just throw these things out, uh, thinking that it's going to actually, you know, help them. It, it, it really isn't going to help anyone with that because ultimately you couldn't handle it yourself. Could you handle that? Could you handle losing your daughter, your son, your brother, your mother, your sister, your dad, those that you cherish and love deeply all in one shot? You know, or, or find out that you're sick with a terminal illness. Could you really truly say, I got this, I'm going to handle this? It might, you might, but there lies in the pride that I'm concerned with. And in our culture, because we are bought into these postmodernist sort of way of thinking where your truth is my truth, my truth is my truth. This is an easy thing to pass along into the culture and people buy this with all that they have because we are in the culture of self, aren't we not? We are looking to ourselves to pull ourselves out and, and do these things. This is not just on the left, but this is also on the right sometimes too, right? We have to be, we have to be honest about this. We have to be very careful. This is an example of taking Bible verses out of context or listening to these word of faith preachers take a single verse and dismiss the exegesis of it all, if only to make you feel good. And here's my thing. All that is just empty. You know, when they give that to you, there's nothing uh, in it, right? It's There's no nutrition behind it. It's empty calories, so to speak. And it it's not real, so it's superficial. And the ultimate thing about it is it never lasts. And so you need these quotes. You need the motivational speeches. You need all of that to keep recharging, but you realize it doesn't really add up. And ultimately, you start, you start to get in a vicious cycle of personal development, this and this video, that and this encouragement here and that encouragement there and looking within yourself to do it only to say, I can't do it anymore. It's exhausting. It's just wearing you out. If anything, it's making it worse for you because you are relying on your own strength. So it's it's bad theology. It's it's just a selfism that, that comes out of that. It's empty, superficial. It never lasts. And so what we want to do is really take some time at scripture and, and really see what it is. So let's go ahead. Let's take a look at scripture. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. This is the scripture that everyone's taking out of context. And what I want to do is kind of just, to the best of my ability, by, by the help of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit, to just break this down. No temptation has overtaken you except something common to mankind, and God is faithful. So he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Let's look at the first sentence there. No temptation has overtaken you except something common to mankind, meaning your trials, however serious, however overwhelming, however grievous and probably horrendous they may be, they aren't unique. You aren't the only one experiencing it. That is somewhat of an encouragement to let you know that it's not just you being called out and centered on and you're the only one that's taken on this heat from God. All of us have, will, and in some degree go through trials, sufferings, temptations, persecutions, testings, all of these things that is promised to us in a world that is cursed, but also as a Christian from a father who is looking to grow us into the image of Christ, his son. Right. There is thing from there is discipline from the Lord. Right. That we might not understand and, and really like, but ultimately produces the very nature that God is working in us. Uh, and then the kicking out the other nature that is what he saved us from. So it's not unique. And they aren't so evil and fresh and no human can ever relate. Meaning you may be going through something you think is super different for you, but I promise you someone else around the world somewhere, maybe currently right now, is going through the same thing, if not worse. So it's not like a novelty uh, sort of despair. It's it's unique. to It's uh, common to mankind. And we're all going through it. We'll go through it. And different times and degrees from one another, we'll have to suffer it. And then it reads on and it says, and God is faithful. Now, I want to pause right there for a second and just ask you a question. Who is faithful in this equation? Is it you or is it God? Because we look at this verse, right? And we say, yep, this is the verse that tells us that I, he's not going to give me anything that I can't handle. He's going to, you know, like I, I'm going to be able to endure it. But we have to read it slowly. And already it tells us, and God is faithful. How many times have you been faced with temptation, trials, testing, suffering, and did not respond in the right way? And if anything, might have even sinned in your response. You have to know that you've not always been faithful to the testings and the trials of life, that you have actually failed it one or two or maybe a thousand times over. I'll raise my hand for you so I can let you know that I'm in that boat. We are not faithful. Not not really. You know, we, we're just not. But God is. He is faithful. And in this equation, it is who God is, right? He is faithful to us and to his word and to his children. And so God's faithful. And reading on, it says, so he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But see, you got to hear that. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able? You? Are you able to then kind of tap in and realize you are not uh, like you are not a, a victim here. Like you could actually tap out of this. Like you can actually overcome it. Who is going to allow 
yourself to, to not be tempted beyond your ability. Because it says he. It says that he will not allow you to be tempted. Is it your strength or his strength? Is it your wisdom or his wisdom? Your faithfulness or his faithfulness? Because it says he will not allow you. I'm, I'm kind of harping on this, but it's something that we should really like hear. And let's be honest, without the help of the Holy Spirit, what temptation, if truly a temptation for you, could have been overcome by your might indefinitely? I'd argue no one. I'd say no one. Because the scripture tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every single one of us. And before becoming a Christian, you were dead in sin and a slave to unrighteousness. So if you, in your own mind, tried to put a stop to something deep down your flesh absolutely loved, then you would eventually fall again, and if not worse. And here's the thing. Being a slave to unrighteousness outside of Christ before the gospel was presented to you, you didn't. You probably weren't tempted as much because you were in, indulging in all these sins. But in that battle that we are in as Christians, we are tempted with our own flesh, with something we know that we are at war with, sin. And the thing that will lead us down to the path of destruction. But even as Christians, we know that when these temptations or these trials or these persecutions or the things that just we can't handle come and present themselves, we don't always win those battles, right? And and you're supposed to go around and say, uh, I, I guess I just didn't have what it takes to handle that. It's not biblical. It doesn't look like what scriptures teach us, okay? It's not your strength that you need to be relying on. You have none. You don't have any. And if you try to do it yourself, let me go ahead and read what Matthew 12, 43, 45 reads. Now, when the unclean spirit comes out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied. Interesting word. It's swept and put in order, but it's unoccupied. Then it goes and brings along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they come in and live there. And the last condition of that person becomes worse than the first. That is the way you will also be with this evil generation. Because you may have swept it up, cleaned out. You may have done some changes in your life, bought some personal development tapes, you know, did your workouts, did your meditations and yogas, you know, started quoting your self-affirmation words. But on the line, it comes again, doesn't it? And it all of a sudden gets you worse, right? Like you tried to quit drinking. You tried to quit smoking. You you tried to have a better positive outlook on your situation. You, tr- you tried, you tried, you tried, you tried. Um, but uh, you just couldn't handle it and then you went back and it became worse. Because if, you're, if Christ does not occupy your heart, that house, then all you're doing is putting things in order so that way the evil spirits can just gather a gang and occupy it again and make it worse for you than before. Like I said, unless the heart has been made alive and Christ be your king, then your attempts at cleaning things up is truly futile. Things just become worse each time. But with the temptation, it reads on, will, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. That's finishing up uh, the Corinthians passage I'm reading. Who provides the way of escape? Who makes sure that you can endure it? Not your strength, but Christ's. 
He will make sure you aren't overwhelmed and he will provide the way of escape. You have to read the passage slowly. But with the temptation, will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. You are only able to endure the, the, the trials of life, the testings and all these things by his provision of it, of, of the strength of his, his just being with you so that you can endure it. It doesn't come from you, but it comes from him because he's the one that provides it for you. So God gives you what you can't handle to abandon your self-reliance. Come to the end of yourself and recognize who the real champion of our faith is. These moments mold us, transform us, and renew us more into the image of Christ. It should constantly bring us to the point of surrender of self and trust in our King. You don't have what it takes but Jesus really does. James chapter one, verse two through four reads, consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I hope this provides some real encouragement and hope in your trials tribulations, and really just the downright tough times that you may be facing or just getting out of or about to be headed into. If this helps, please share this with someone else. Rate and write a review for this podcast on the platform that you listen on it as it will help other people find the show. Uh, Please join me with a conversation on Instagram and Twitter at Alexi Felix. That's um, Alexi, A-L-E-X-S-Y Felix. Thank you for taking the time of your day to listen. And I want to simply remind you that in the midst of chaos, Christ is there. God bless.